Hey, thanks for turning on the Uncommon People podcast. This is the show about you and me and everyone in between. I have said that a lot of times at this point, and yet this is my third or fourth time, I think, recording this specific intro. So we're going to get it right this time. Um, This is episode 30. I got to sit down with my friend Tuck Johnson and talk about his life. I've known him for a few years, but I have never have never um, really asked such direct questions about some of these things and was really happy to finally get to hear more of his story and learn from it. Um, And I hope that you are inspired by this conversation. The idea with this show is just starting real conversation with people and listening to their honest answers. I think we could all stand to learn more from those around us by having those kinds of conversations. So not only do I count it a joy and privilege to do that myself, but that I get to share these things with all of you who are listening and hopefully inspire you to do something similar, just talking to people um, honestly and having really good and deep conversation. I really want this to serve as an inspiration for that. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the show. Um, I did want to make a note that I, while we were recording this, was getting over a sinus infection, so I do have a lingering cough that you will hear time and again in this episode, but it's probably not that big of a deal. You'll enjoy it anyway. If not, well, there's always next episode. (laughs) Anyway, episode 30 is coming at you. I hope you enjoy it. changing since I hit 30 like once I hit 30 it's just all downhill you know and like man there's been some stuff that's changed you know like for sure like physical like once I hit 30 definitely went downhill physically in noticeable ways but then like 30 31 32 was as pretty all like probably the most emotional years of my entire life that I've had so far and I've I've been anxious before but like I've never been anxious as much as I have in the last few months. I've only been anxious like three or four times that I can count. But like when, you know, coming here and doing this, I'm like, yeah, I'm a little bit anxious. Huh. Yeah. Do you think generally, but not specifically that coming here, um, do you think generally the anxiety might be stemming from the fact that you recognize your life is moving in a positive direction? Like things seem to have been going well the last few months? Yeah, maybe. Like, you know, there's been... I don't. I guess maybe it's just I'm. There's stuff to be excited about now, mm-hmm. you know. That excites me, you know, because like yeah, I do all kinds of stuff, but you know, having having what I've got now and you know it it continuing to grow 
in the direction that I want it to go, you know, I guess, I guess maybe that is it. Maybe, yeah, just excited for things to come. And that's in turn translating into energy I can't normally contain because I haven't been excited about stuff in the past. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Excitement's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I have a really weird relationship with excitement. Similar to my dad, I think, which I don't really like saying. <laughs> um, I was told by my mom that when um, she was pregnant with all of us, she would ask him if he was excited, and he'd say, I'll be excited when they get here. And that's kind of the relationship I have with excitement. It's really difficult to feel excited in anticipation of something. Mm-hmm. Before it's happening, it's hard for me to be excited. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> I can resonate with that because, like, you know, with all my kids, that was that was the same way. You know, I wasn't really excited about any of them until they showed up, and even when they showed up, I think I was <laughs> I think I was more uh, focused on the fact that I had something to do. So, I, like, I wasn't excited. It's just like now I've got I've got this thing I've got to do now, and that you know. I was just focused. That's the case with most things. Like, you know, <clears throat> it doesn't matter if it's paintball or fucking writing or anything like that. Like, you know, if I'm uh, leading up to it, I'm not excited. I get there, I might be excited for like five minutes. And then after that, I'm just focused on what it is I'm going to do. Huh. I suppose that's good. That's yeah, bad in a lot of ways, too. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but I just mean... What's what's good? So the initial, the first thing you said, which is, you're excited for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be seen as bad. That it immediately tapers off or pretty quickly, but that it leads into I'm focused on the task at hand. That's good. Yeah. Because for some people, it might be similar in that they're excited for a little bit, and then it dies, and they're just thinking about the next thing mm-hmm. or what what they're going to do next or where they're going next rather than the present moment. And I would say that's a much worse place to be. Or you could just be like my wife and she's just excited and then she stays excited through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a party all night, you know? Hey, yeah. everybody, look at us. Woo-hoo. <laughs> yeah, some people are that way. Yeah. <clears throat> that's not really me. I, I feel like as I age, I'm also becoming even more even-keeled, mm. which is... Probably typical for people with my type of personality. People who have very intense emotions most of the time. That That's most true up until like 24. <laughs> <laughs> and then you still have intense emotions, but I, I'll speak for myself. I still have intense emotions. I still feel things very deeply. But it's less an uncontrollable roller coaster. Like the, the dips in the valleys are more more normal. It feels more like a steady ride. Mm. Or maybe my base is higher, and so things don't feel as dramatic. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. at base level, I think I'm, I'm more satisfied and joyful and content in life than I have been before. Mm-hmm. So it's less of this bad thing happened, and it's crushing, and I'm at the very lowest low, and then something good happens, and I'm back up on the mountain peak. Yeah. You know, that that's a pretty tumultuous way to live. Yeah. <clears throat> I apologize for the coughing to all the 2,700,000 listeners that I have. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, me too. I I'm, don't know what the deal is. I'm prophesying it. Because at some point, it doesn't matter if when this comes out, that's how many listeners there are. Someday there might be that many listeners and they go back and listen to episode 30. 30. This is episode 30. Yes. You made you you got to the 30s and you brought me into the 30s. Yes. Because I'm awesome all yeah. the time. So for those who don't know, which is everyone listening, maybe. Well, no, that's not true. Some of you, probably most of the people currently listening are those who know me. I've known Tuck for, uh, I mean, around four years. I don't know. Don't look at me. I don't remember. It's around four years because I met you shortly after moving here. Mm-hmm. Really started, I guess, becoming closer to you and Nathan around the same time. Because I started going to the community group at his house. Did you do that right away? No, not right away. I, I was I was going to Cass's house. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, and then just ended up going to Nathan's and started being involved with that group. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I've I've known of the interesting nature of Tuck's life for a little while, but. He has only consented to <laughs> recording a record of such said life very recently. Yeah. Like yeah. four days ago or something. Yeah. When, like, did you, when did you come over here? When? Saturday. Uh, was it? Yeah, I didn't have any friends that wanted to talk to me, so I came over and talked to Joel on Saturday, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Would it have been Saturday? Uh, Saturday or Sunday. No, Saturday, because uh, Sunday was your non-planning day. Yeah, yeah. So but that could, it could have been Friday, though. Oh sh- no, I don't remember. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It was recent. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So you've got some good stuff going on. Uh, yeah, it's mostly just relational though, because you know, work's work. You know, money is money. You know, it comes and goes. It's no big deal. But you know the. For me, where the big stuff is, is just, you know, how your life is going with relationships. Because, like, I, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. Like, really. You know, like, you know, Allie, <clears throat> my wife, she'll uh, talk about, you know, she'll talk about money. We'll, we'll talk about money. It's never really an issue in our relationship. You know, every now and then she gets worried about it, just like everybody else. But I just look at her and I'm like, it comes and goes. Like, we'll make more eventually you know i'm not worried about it and so if you take money out of the equation as far as that goes then you know and you know say you're not focused on hobbies or sports or anything like that which i'm not necessarily then all i got left is relationships and you know if there's anything i've learned over the last you know five ten years probably five years well no ten years anything i've learned over the last ten years is that you know you could have all the money in the world, you know, and it's cliche, but all the money in the world, if you don't got anybody to share it with, then it's, it's just worthless. And you could have all the things you could want in the world. And if you don't, uh, for me, essentially, if I don't have a wife that loves me as much as I love her, then it just doesn't matter. You know, I've lived alone. Uh, I've been married and felt alone. Uh, you know, there's, all kinds of variables in there for all different kinds of people, but man, you know, just having that one person that just cares about you just makes 
all the difference in the world. And that's kind of where we're at right now. You know, it's been, we've been married, uh, we're both divorced, <clears throat> um, divorced once and remarried. I don't know what's been, we got married in like 17, I think. So it's been like five. Yeah. We just had our five year and, uh, you know, we finally hit our stride. Like we never really argued or anything, but it, uh, we're finally at a point where, you know, we both communicate very well and we both, uh, show love to each other in the way that each spouse needs to receive love. Uh, we we're to a point where we're both doing that very well and I was just things couldn't be better, you know, as far as where we're at right now, at least I can't imagine it any better than it currently is. Wow. Yeah. That's even a step up from how you were talking about it just a few days ago. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, I just, it's a lot to unpack, you know, yeah. once you get started into it. So I try yeah. not to. Especially when you haven't seen each other for two years. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> your fault. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> so that being said, is your excitement level different now with Noah, your son? Yeah. Uh, so a little bit of backstory. <clears throat> I've got three other kids and uh, they're from my first marriage and uh, honestly, like it was not good, man. Like the whole thing was not good. And, but I was just a young kid just doing what he's supposed to do and thought I was doing what I was supposed to do and just wasn't working. And like, you know, I, I think back to all those days and like, I, you know, I cared for the kids, like, you know, made sure they always had what they needed. Um, you know, just made sure they're always taken care of, but like, I never, ne I don't think I ever got excited, honestly, about anything when it came to them. You know, I was just focused on getting them taken care of, getting them fed, bathing them, getting them to bed, all that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, now, even when Noah was born, because Noah's a year and a half now, um, even all through last year, you know, last year, me and Allie actually weren't not in a good spot. Um, by any means, you know, we were borderline divorce and, you know, it, it took, it took what we were going through to actually, you know, shake, <clears throat> I don't know, shake the both of us awake. You know, there was, there was some things that were on one person more than the other, but, it took us that experience to really shake each other awake. And then once me and Allie essentially got it on a page where we were good with each other, then that just filtered down into how I view my relationship with Noah. Um, and it's, it's good. Like, you know, when I come home, like I'm actually happy to see him, you know, and that's something that, you know, last year, I can't really say was the case, you know, because uh, it was just a, another thing I had to do, another thing I had to take care of and make sure I took did it right, essentially. Whereas, like, you know, now I come home and, you know, he walks over to me and he smiles and whatever, and I'm just happy to see him and pick him up and give both him and Allie a hug at the same time. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. Like, everything... That's going on right now is just, it's just been good, wow. which is a huge change from 
the last 20 years of my life. <laughs> it's like an HGTV show. How so? <laughs> I'm just upper. thinking of these, yeah, these <laughs> stupid yeah. reality TV shows yeah. where everything is actually just good all the time and nobody struggles through anything to oh, get to yeah. where they are. Oh, and for the record, anybody listening to this episode, like I am not a person to sugarcoat stuff. Like yeah. you, you want you want to hear it? Like I'll tell it to you. But man, you better be ready for it. So like if I if I say you know you come up to me any day prior to two months ago, and you could you know you could just say hey Tuck how you doing? I'd be like meh, I'm, I'm, I could be worse, could be better, could be worse. All the things, and that's been my attitude for years. Um. But you know now, you know now if someone come up came up and asked me how I'm doing, I can honestly answer that I'm doing good, and that's that's not an answer I could have given really any time before 2022. I can't think of a single year, maybe 2014. That was a pretty good year, or not 2014, <laughs> 2004. You know, there's just girls and motors back then. <laughs> But yeah, it's been Nebraska life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely not someone to sugarcoat things. Tuck's one of the people who, if I want an, a no BS answer, um, which, by the way, is a really important thing to have in your life. Uh, Tuck's one of those people I go to. I, do you remember when I, I was in Australia and I asked you, to describe me or to give me adjectives or something that describe me. I and you thought about it, I think, for days and then <laughs> sent it to me. Did I? Yeah. And okay. sent me a list of like a dozen different words. Some of them oh, I make more complimentary that. than others. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I looked at it and I thought, oh, it must be true. Yeah. Like uh I think I think I might have used like whimsical whimsical or romantic. That was probably two of them that you probably used. I think obdurate was on there. Oh, yes. I remember that word search. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was sitting on the couch when I sent that one. Mm. I don't even remember what that means now. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I don't think it was good. It wasn't. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. It wasn't inherently bad, but no. it, was, it wasn't great either. Yeah, yeah. Now, I was just talking about that with a friend uh, yesterday, the day before yesterday. I mentioned that to him. Um, just the difference, really, that's that's happened in my life in the last couple of years and the change I've been able to see in relation. Specifically, I was talking about another friend and the position that they've played in my life. And I mentioned you, too, and that list that you sent. Yeah. Hmm. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Typically, thank yous come before you're welcome, but thank you. <laughs> So you grew up in Nebraska. I did. I only know so much about that. Oh, How far my. back you want to go? Oh my goodness! What's uh, it like growing up in Nebraska in the nineties? Um, probably similar to what it's like growing up in Iowa or <laughs> Kansas or South Dakota, out in the middle of freaking nowhere, with nothing to do. And when, like, when I say nothing to do, like, you people in the city, like, you have no, like, any any town above 10,000 people, like, you have no idea. <laughs> any, town, any town above 5,000 5, 5, people, you guys have no idea. Like, we used to drive around town and throw footballs at cars. Like, you know, that, that was our idea of fun, you know. 
That, that was what that was like to have a good time out. We just cruise up and down the road on the <laughs> on the four paved roads that we had in in the town I grew up in. <clears throat> so I mean, it was a uh, it was eventful for sure. Uh, not necessarily in frequency, but the things that did happen. You know, I've definitely got some stories. Like, I mean, is is cussing cussing fine? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there was the whole sister fucker thing. Uh, that's a whole thing. Like anybody that's heard that story, you just dove right into it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Nathan's heard that story, man. He's and I, every time he hears it, he just is like beside himself. You know, it's. There's I that. have not heard that story. I it's, don't think it's colorful. Like every bit of sexual immorality. You could possibly think Is it of that house you lived in yeah. for a bit. Okay, yeah, yeah I have heard. Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, so you don't need to tell it. No, no, no. If, if we want to paint a we certain don't picture of life that. in Nebraska, <laughs> <laughs> this was definitely a certain a unique group of people. Uh, but anyway, I uh, grew up on a farm when I was little. Then we moved into town. When I was like eight, and lived in town. And our, like the towns we lived in were like eight hundred to a thousand, or six hundred to a thousand. Um, so similar to where Nathan grew up. Yeah. Just a different part of the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's meth country, you know, just like Nathan. Uh, uh-huh. And we, let's see here. Uh, we, my dad lost his job. We moved to, and we moved to a rival town, which, you know, God forbid. Um, rival town. Yeah. Like sports. Like uh. we were the Stuart Broncos, right? Okay. And then the Spencer neighbor, Spencer neighbor, butt pirates is what we call them, but they were the pirates. Like we, <laughs> we, we had to, uh, go with, like we moved there and like my ex-girlfriend was from there and she told everybody I had a little wiener and it just, it just got bad. And, and the whole town knew. And the whole town knew like, you know, whatever. And it was terrible. I got made fun of all the time. And, uh, so my ex-wife, who was my girlfriend at the time convinced me to move out uh and i was 16 at the time i think and i moved in with a classmate of mine who lived in a smaller town of 70 people um in a little town called newport yeah like they had a bar and a grocery store that both closed down after i moved moved away but so you were keeping them afloat (laughs) i don't know if i'd say that (laughs) but uh anyway i lived there and like just the this the I don't I don't understand how this much stuff can happen in such a short amount of time. I only lived there for like a year and a half, you know, until I got out of high school. In the seventy person town. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and like you know this the story that's the sister fucker story. Like it it just it just got out of hand. Like there was threesomes and sodomy and and incest. Uh, I mean it was interesting uh definitely learned a lot about the world and how the world actually works uh, from them and pretty much learned how not to live life (laughs) that's important (laughs) yeah for sure and uh so then uh, me and my girlfriend moved into her mom's house for a little while then we moved away to go to college or she did anyway um and then we ended up getting pregnant before she even got out of her first semester of college and uh, miscarried a couple times. Then we had twins and then we had another kid and uh, actually went to prison for a little while 
And once I got out of prison, then got back together with my wife at the time and tried to make things work. Did that for a couple of years, and then it was just a lost cause at that point. And uh, we got divorced, and I moved to Arkansas. And then uh, I actually moved to Arkansas for a girl that I met on Xbox, which I told you that. Uh, which obviously that did not work out for anybody that's wondering out there. <laughs> if you're wondering if Xbox Live is the dating venue for you, the <laughs> answer is probably no. Probably not. Yes. As cute as those avatars seem. Uh, yeah. You never, you know. <laughs> uh, now, don't get me wrong. It was a great time because there's almost nothing better than playing uh, hardcore Call of Duty at th- two o'clock in the morning with your girlfriend, essentially. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, nah, I mean, I could make an argument against that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it, it didn't work out. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, got on match eventually, uh, later that year and met my current wife. So it wasn't all that bad, but, uh, man, you just flew through all of that. Yeah. That's uh, it's, uh, it's my life in a nutshell. I get the feeling you don't want to linger. Uh, I will. <laughs> It's one of those brief synopsis things, and then we can just go back and just pluck one out. <laughs> Did anything significant happen while you're in prison? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a few things, obviously. I mean, you're not currently in prison, so that's something. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I wasn't in prison very long, uh, and I think the only people listening to this, there's only two, three people that will probably listen to this that know that. Um, so everybody that. Uh, didn't know that. Don't be offended. It's just, uh, you know, <laughs> surprise. We, we just never got to that point. And, uh, and you're listening, you're hearing about it now. So maybe you need to ask better questions. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I'm the type of dude, like if you, if you just sit down and have a conversation with me, much like Joel does, uh, you know, Joel's good at just sitting down and having conversations with people. If you just sit down like, man, I'll talk to you till the sun comes up. And really when it comes down to it is, you know, as long as you're willing to listen and talk back, I'll, I'll eat it up, you know, but, you know, when, uh, you know, went to prison and, uh, there, obviously there was a big divide among friends, families, uh, you know, all the people I grew up with, you know, you know, saying what they thought their opinion was on the whole situation, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, whether it did happen that way or it didn't, you know, all the things. Anyway, there's big divide, and essentially, uh, it was one of those things like I could have fought it and potentially got off uh, just with the nature of what it was. But if I fought it and lost, then I was looking at you know, like eight to ten years, if that was going to be the case. And you know, I had a wife and three kids, and I, you know, realistically, I couldn't do that to them, so. Uh, essentially what I did is I pleaded down to the minimum sentence that they would give me, uh, which was 12 to 18 months in prison, not jail, prison. Um, and the whole time I was in, I couldn't get out of jail just cause I couldn't afford the bond. So I, you know, from the time I got arrested, I was, uh, in jail and stayed there for, a. Uh, I don't know. It was like six months, eight months or something like that. And, uh, got transferred out 
and went to an evaluation center, which is how they do it in Nebraska. And uh, they figure out whether or not you're psycho and what uh, prison system they need to put you in and all that kind of stuff. They put me in a uh, medium, uh, medium security uh, prison uh, just because I was so short term because the low security stuff's just for the, the guys that had been in and were used to the system and all that kind of stuff. Huh. Uh, but you know, while I was in, like I said, the, the family and friends that all kind of fell away and really, really showed me everybody's true colors. It really did. Like, not necessarily in a bad way, but, well, mostly in a bad way. But, you know, people that I, you know, that I thought, you know, I was pretty tight with, you know, they, they turned their backs on me pretty quick. And then there's other people that, you know, I've always been around and whatever. And, and it was the, that small handful of people that really showed me, you know, what, uh, what good there's left in the world as far as people being understanding uh, of certain things anyway. And uh, so, you know, while I was in, uh, wife cheated on me, uh, you know, naturally cliche story. And uh, with a guy that I was actually in jail with, which was, which was a kicker and mm-hmm. is twice her age. Small but, town life. Oh yeah. Tell me about it. And then, uh, then, well, without getting into too too deep of details, anyway, uh, ended up losing a pretty big part of my life uh, through all that. That and I, there was nothing I could do about it, and it really just kind of drove the nail in the coffin for what was to come for me and my ex-wife, because it it was a hot button topic for a long time, and. You know, I don't think she actually ever forgave herself for it personally. Um, and honestly, I don't think I ever forgave her for it because, you know, the how I define forgiveness essentially is <clears throat> when, you know, you, when you talk about something and you, uh, if you can talk about it without a whole b- bunch of emotion coming up and, you know, just talk about it, you know, naturally or whatever, then you've probably forgiven and moved on that person. Right. But every time I talk about it, man, I like, it's still there. That feeling wells up and I get like, I can't believe you did that. Mm. You know, still makes me mad to this day. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to say I've forgiven her, but man, that was a, that was a big one. But then, uh, anyway, you know, got out of prison, learned a lot of stuff. I mean, when you're in prison, man, you got all kinds of time to shape yourself how you want for when you get out granted it's different because like you know it's also cliche you know guys always find jesus and religion when they're in prison and all that kind of stuff but there is a lot to be said about that like they have time to focus on themselves you know without any of the stress of the outside world no girlfriend no wife no kids no job um you know it's if you take it seriously it's kind of like a rehab if you use it right because all the all the resources are there for a person to make themselves better uh you know and i can't say that for all prison systems obviously such as what do you mean what are the resources available that you experienced well you know for starters there's a library you know really yeah like that was nice uh 
and it wasn't obviously a great library. It's just like a hand-me-down library or whatever, but there was all kinds of stuff in there that if a guy wanted to apply himself, it's there. There was all kinds of how-to books and, uh, you know, self-help books, you know, obviously a ton of those, you know, just everything that you could possibly imagine to pretty much shape yourself into a different person. The, uh, like when I was there, for example, I was sending a lot of sex letters to my wife at that time. So I got really good at writing. I don't know what you would call them. Harlequin letters, I guess. Um, sex letters. I was like 50 shades of gray stuff. Yeah. Like hard, <laughs> like hard up. Maybe that's how she got those novels. <laughs> she was intercepting prison mail. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> um, but like, I got really good at that, man. And, and really dove into like how to like focus on your marriage, focus on your spouse. If you're having issues, which I mean, me and me and my ex were having issues at the time without a doubt. And, uh, 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 over anything like that was one thing that I really focused on when I was down was how can I be a better person? Uh, like not as a whole, like not to anybody else, but like, you know, start with a good foundation as far as the home, like be a good father to my kids, be the best husband I can be to my wife. And I mean, it was book after book after book. And, uh, I would say, you know, a little bit of that knowledge is kind of outdated just with my thought process at the time. But I'd say like 40, 50% of the stuff I know now I learned in prison, hmm. you know, it just, just from reading books. And, you know, even beyond that, if a guy wanted to apply himself, there was all kinds of programs. Like if a dude wanted to do it, um, and they're all voluntary, you know, anger management stuff, um, things to help you with, you know, job building, like, or, you know, job skills and stuff like building a resume, uh, learning how to budget correctly like there's all kinds of classes like that just to help people get back on their feet the problem is that nobody wants to do that because in prison the only game is looking tough that's all there is to it you know um looking tough and getting laid actually that'd be the other one which is for the record uh anybody that just caught that uh any cliche Typical prison movie you've ever seen? Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking like Longest Yard or, uh, I don't know, maybe Shawshank Redemption. I'm not real sure. But any, anywhere there where there's a dude that's visibly a bottom, like they're all over in prison and they are predatory. <laughs> they, they will, like, I, I was there like three days, you know, day three of me being in prison. And this dude with a rolled up t-shirt and a knot with like little cornrows and that turned into like little pigtails just walks up to me in a high pitched voice and goes, Hey, (laughs) and like, uh, the currency there was like uh, pop tokens. Right. So if you, uh, if you, if someone gave you money in your commissary, commissary or whatever, you could go exchange it for pop tokens. And they were actually a little coin that we could use to go get a can of soda. Okay. And you're allowed a certain amount per week, but the long timers, like they amassed so many of these coins 
that they would uh, use them as currency. And so, like, you know, these prison bitches, whatever you want to call them, I mean, they just walk around and they'd ask you for three coins. And if that was the case, you went over to the back of the chapel and just had your way with them real quick. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, in Nebraska, don't get me wrong, like, Nebraska, the I went to NSP, <coughs> and Nebraska State is a is a fine prison. Like as far as prisons go, because I've heard horror stories come from like Florida, Texas, California. Um, there's there's definitely a lot worse. So we I could have been a lot worse off, you know, if I'd have been in another state. But you know, but still, you know, it's like any prison. There's beatings every day. Uh, you know, some dudes got shivved a couple of times in the lunch line, you know, blood everywhere. People get locked down, get on the floor, you know, stuff like that. It's like, you know, my experience, you know, like in all the movies, my experience is pretty close to the movies. Like realistically, <laughs> like it's not that far off. I don't know if I've seen a prison movie actually. Well, there's like well. Shawshank Redemption. There's Longest Yard. And the other one I'm thinking of is uh, American History X. There's a little prison scene in that one. I've seen movies, I think, where there's a prison scene. Mm. But not a movie that's about prison. Oh, yeah. yeah. Unless it was uh, The Last Castle, I think, uh, is about a prison. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds pretty rough. It wasn't that bad. As long as you kept <laughs> your head down and... Like, didn't cause any waves. It sounds like rough for somebody who's used to living a pretty normal, good life. Okay, yeah, let's back Which this is up. the majority of us. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am not a, uh, a white-collar dude, uh, so I think we should clarify that for anybody that doesn't know me. Uh, it's, I mean, I grew up, you know, I, I hate saying lower class, but, I mean, really, we were lower class for sure. Um, you know, we always... Typically always had food, um, you know, always had electricity, always had power. And I, uh, you know, moving to Arkansas, like I, I really have known a lot of people that haven't had electricity or power or electricity or water until they were like 16, which is just insane to think about. Um, but like, you know, so like we weren't terribly poor, but we were definitely poor, you know, like my math teacher bought me my first pair of well, the shoes, shoe size I wear that I wear now. Like she, she, my math teacher bought me my shoes because my parents couldn't. Um, you know, and then uh, going to be a teacher and a history teacher. That's what I was going to go to college for, and then it never worked out. And then I ended up being a welder. Uh, so any concept of thought that you guys have on what a welder is like, that's okay. it's probably all true, most likely. Like just gruff, you know. Gruff dudes with beards that just <coughs> cuss all the time and, you know, just you know, got, light themselves on fire all the time. You know, that's that's all pretty much true. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been interesting for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and yet for that, like, I do want to make the point for, for people like me or for people like I interact with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what you've described is not possible to to deal with or live through. 
All right. No, I mean, not for me. Like, I, I have enough perspective to realize that's that's a reality that a lot of people have to live through. And so if you have to, you do. But for a lot of people who are used to the worst thing in their day being like the grandma died. called down from called down on because you did something wrong at work and you're being corrected. Right. Or, I don't know, your order got wrong. If your order was messed up at the restaurant or mm-hmm. Starbucks or whatever. You, <laughs> I ask people sometimes. I ask somebody today, um, the guy who brings in our beer, and he drops off the kegs and hooks them up. I said, how you, I <coughs> said, how you doing today? He said, I can't complain. I said, yeah, you can. You could complain. I said, no. He said, no. I don't have anything to complain about. I said, I don't remember how I responded, but I respected the fact that he was really pushing it. He was saying, there's nothing that I have to complain about. And I wonder if that's telling of what things that he's dealt with. Yeah. I mean, that's straight up, you know, because like when, when people ask me if I uh, how I'm doing, I, when I say I could be worse or I could be better like that, there's truth in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I just mean, the reason I ask that question and I phrase it that way and then I push in that way is because we have all been around people who no matter how good it is, they will find things to complain about. Mm, If you want to, you can find something to complain about. But the people who have grown and have learned something in life, some of the valuable things in life, are not going to be seeking for those things to complain about Mm-mm. because they probably recognize it could be worse. Oh yeah, and I've seen it worse for other people. Yeah, and for sure. I'm glad that right now it's just hotter outside than I'd like it to be. You know, <laughs> like that's yeah. not something to complain about. It's All just right. summertime. Yeah. Um, but so what I was going to say is, I, I think the situation you were in, generally speaking, yeah, is a hard one. Yeah, but. It sounds also as if, for whatever reason, you were not caught up in bitterness and hopelessness in it. Right. Because you were taking advantage of resources. Yeah. You, were, you said that you were thinking about, how can I be a better man for when I get out? Mm-hmm. And then also saying that most of the guys in there are not interested in that. They're not interested in going to the library and reading about learning skills or how, how to deal with different things not interested in reforming, they're just kind of, well, I'm in here. I'm going to go mess somebody up. Yeah. You know, probably a lot of time just overcome with bitterness toward their situation or toward the state or whatever it may be, the person who is, quote, to blame for them being in there, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Why was that not your attitude? Uh, You know... Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be honest. Like, you know, I'm not necessarily prison material. Like, I'm not your typical prison dude. I don't think. Um. But, you know, I'm a pretty practical dude, pretty logical, pretty. Uh, especially back then, I was real black and white, right? So. You know, when I got in, um, you know, because like the whole the whole trial and everything, or not even it wasn't even a trial, just the court dates. You know, from day one, like, you know, I was very honest about what happened. I was like, oh, this happened this this way. And I, and I, and all, you know, everybody that you can talk to backs it up. So, like, it, from day one, like, I was never trying to hide anything. You know, this is what happened. And it's just a fact. 
And, you know, when I got in, you know, got in a jail and that kind of stuff, like I can either sit there and be pissy about it or you could do something to change your situation. Like you don't have to sit there and wallow in your own self-pity. Like get up and do something. And that's, I've, that's, I've always been that way. And, you know, so like when I was in jail, sure. Like the, the first like three weeks were pretty rough uh, mentally for me, you know, I'd, not saying I cried or nothing in the cell with my cellmate, whatever, but you know, I was pretty quiet. Like I didn't want to talk to anybody, do anything. And it was, uh, it was sobering, you know, but you know, when you're in there, you got nothing but time to think and you can go one of two directions. One, you can blame everybody else for your problems, or you can just accept responsibility for what happened accept it as fact and, uh, and just move on, you know, just cause, uh, you know, the old one saying that I always, you know, try to tell guys that are kind of down in the dumps, you know, especially guys is like, just cause you fail doesn't mean you're a failure. And, and, you know, that was one thing I really held on to back then. I was like, yeah, this thing, this thing's really messed up. Uh, nothing, nothing is good right now everything we're just holding on by a thread but you know i got a wife out there i got kids out there uh that are just trying to make it and i'm going to do everything I, that i can to get out and help them again and so i essentially just set out with a goal in mind like i'm gonna i'm gonna do this thing get out as soon as i can you know change the situation from a bad one to at least an okay one uh, cause otherwise it had just been miserable because if I'd have shown up to prison with a chip on my shoulder and picked a fight with some dude, the next few months that I had in the penitentiary would have just been hell. You know, there was a guy that, uh, like he got in, like we watched him walk in and he was a long timer from the front and the long, the, the guys in the front were not allowed in the back cause the guys in the back were due to be released soon. And I, uh, immediately went to the back it's like any anything less than a year you go to the back and like a dude transferred from the front so he was due to be released soon and as soon as he got in he found a dude stabbed him and then they immediately took him up front and it's like man you you could have done that a totally different way like you know if yeah if you're pressured to do it you know whatever you know i don't know your situation but like you had a choice not to stab that dude and not be in prison the rest of your life but he chose not to take it because he doesn't want to take responsibility for whatever's on the outside of that fence. And that's, and honestly, a lot of the guys that I talk to in prison, that's, that's actually the biggest thing is they're more scared about what's on the other side of the fence. Cause they can't handle it. The prison's almost an escape from reality. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's three squares a day. Uh, your laundry's done for you. All you gotta do is go to your, they usually give you some kind of job, in in the prison system as long as you're good so like mine was washing dishes and you know you show up to your job do your job however many days a week make your two dollars an hour that you get that you make and uh actually i don't even think it was that i think it's like 40 cents an hour or something like that and uh and that's it you know then the rest of the rest of your day is just whatever you want to do with it you know you're just there. You don't have, you have no responsibility. And if you don't want a job, you can just screw off enough where you just don't have one. 
And then quite literally, you are just existing. And that's the way that a lot of those guys prefer it because they don't, you know, essentially if they're on the outside, they have to be told what to do at every minute of every day. And there's a lot of weak-minded dudes uh, that go to prison. And then the dudes that are a little bit more strong-minded just become the kingpins. And then they they relish in it, and then they, they just stay. Huh. <clears throat> Doesn't sound like a system really designed to efficiently improve <laughs> people's situations. No. It, the stuff's there, you know, like, you know, people complain about the prison system all the time, but the stuff's there, like, if people take advantage, if you just use it uh, with good intentions, you'll be fine, you know. Use it as a time to refocus on yourself, you know, whatever. But and a lot of things, a lot of things are said for the guys that do get out with good intentions and fail and then end up coming back. Because like even you know I was on a roll, like I was feeling good, you know, about myself, about my what I was going to do to improve my marriage, you know, how good of a father I was going to be to my kids, and then I get out and my ex who's been dealing with all the stress of the bills and moving into a different house because she couldn't afford the other one we lived in and getting a job because she didn't have a job before, you know, all, the, all that stuff. Uh, you know, she was still living life. So when I got out, man, she was bitter. Bitter. Holy crap, she was bitter. Uh, and it was like all that positive energy I had going, it was like a month and a half uh, was... It was all it really took to like drain all of that momentum out of me to the point where I was just kind of right back to where I was again. Uh, just because, you know, I had, she didn't live the same life I had lived because when you're in prison, you know, everybody's life still goes on and that's, uh, right. And the same thing goes for military, you know, you, you know, sign your life away and you're gone and everybody else is still living their lives where your life kind of got put on pause you know, just, you're just like in this weird limbo and then you get out and you're confused and or hurt as to why everybody's just kind of moved on, you know, and it's, uh, it's super humbling. Uh, and you, there's, that's another choice you have to make in the moment. And you got to be strong for yourself because man, uh, I, I felt those feelings and I evaluated that and I wasn't gone for very long. Um, you know, nine months. And, you know, it was, uh, it's, it's, it's just not a good feeling whatsoever to just, you know, you're out. No one really, everybody's like, Oh, Hey, you're out. Okay. We got to do what we got to do now. And they just kind of move on without you. And that's just all there is to it. You know, so it takes a lot of emotional intelligence and maturity just to get past all that for sure. And uh, unfortunately, prison does not teach either one of those. Hmm. You know. Did you get good at dishes? No. No? No. You had all that time to get uh, good at washing dishes, and you say no. Uh, well, the trouble is, is that it's uh, it's kind of like the, they kind of do it like the military. You know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with any of that stuff, but like <clears throat> when you're doing like repairs on military vehicles or something like that, you have this manual and it's like person A holds this bolt while person B puts the nut on this bolt. Those That's the instructions in these manuals on how to repair everything. Well, they kind of do the same thing in prison without the books. They tell you, you 
stack these plates so that the next guy can hand the plates to the next guy and he scrubs them or he sprays them then the next guy scrubs them and then the next guy puts them in the dishwasher it's like making the process as inefficient as possible so that as many people as possible can be involved and have something to do exactly okay yeah and (laughs) the the kitchen is actually like the first one where they put everybody there's other jobs like you know the you can be aides to any of like the security guards and uh, the the warden, obviously, and then you know everything in between the nurses and stuff. Or you could like, it's cliche, but they made license plates at the one that I was at. Ah. And, like you could be a welder and be in stamping and that kind of stuff and make license plates, uh, you know, things like that. So like once you're there, but you had to be there like a year to be eligible for those jobs, essentially. So it was a. Uh, I was, I was satisfied that I only had to be there for the time I was. Uh, I did not care about moving up because that freaking 40 cents an hour did not get you very far. Cause, uh, you uh, didn't strike for a raising of the minimum wage? Um, no. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have listened. The, the worst thing was like when you get there, like they say they give you, you know, your hygiene products. But really they give you a little tiny hotel bar of soap. And then a little tiny travel size shampoo and tell you that that has to last you like one to two months. And then they wash your clothes every other day. And at that, like that's in order to make that last, like you'd have to shower every week. And which in prison is probably pretty gross. uh, Yeah. I mean, it's just a bunch of dudes, you know. (laughs) And why I mean, when I say that, I mean just a bunch of dudes <coughs> packed in a barracks, rubbing against other dudes, touching other stuff that dudes touch with no, you know, like imagine going to the gym and no one use like cleans off the equipment ever. You know, imagine how sticky yeah. and grimy those workout machines are right. that are outside. Yeah, yeah, which is why they're outside. You know, they get rained on, they get washed off. You know, <laughs> so man. Yeah. <coughs> oh gosh, coughing. That was prison. Uh, it was uh, hunky dory. Yeah. Like you know the things that I've experienced in my life. Like you know if I I would not recommend them to the average <laughs> person, right? Uh, you know a lot of things. You know like moving out of your parents' house when you're a teenager. Like don't really recommend that. Uh, for my situation, totally recommend it. It was absolutely the right move to make in my situation okay um you know moving in with my classmate and his family like uh, i mean i was just happy to have a roof over my head and some food every now and then uh that was good i was thankful for that i really was uh, which is why i stayed there so long um <laughs> through all the stuff um you know and and you know, I was just I was just always grateful for everything I did have because you know we I came from a poor family, so like you know just whatever we had was good enough. Uh, you know, I like you know if I if I could recommend someone just be dirt poor, I would totally do it. Like, you know, and I think I'd I'd recommend that to everybody. Like, just be dirt poor. Like, go 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 a period of time where your your family's just not sure if you have enough food to eat. And like you actually just don't eat because you don't have any food. <laughs> that is an interesting recommendation. Yeah. Provided you commit to not staying in that position forever. Right. Uh, cause it was the, the folks I was living with, which I 
I sure do hope that they listen to this. <laughs> I think there's pretty darn small chance of that. Oh man. But um, you know, they they're just the type of folks that they chose repeatedly to stay in the situation they were in. Like uh the one got my classmate dropped out of high school early because he got his sister knocked up. Uh yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I didn't I don't want to paint a picture of Nebraska that's just all about incest, but I can't help it because I do know quite a few stories from where I was at. Um but it was just that's you know, he had an opportunity to like get his GED and like early on, like right when he dropped out, get his GED and then like go get a decent job in a couple towns over. But he just like insisted on being close to his mom, which can be commendable uh, in certain situations. But like she was fine. We were all there. Uh, she, he didn't, she didn't need his help or whatever. He had a kid on the way. And honestly, if anything, she needed him out of the house. So yeah, go get a good paying job. Get out of here. But like he chose to just be unemployed for like a year and a half. And then eventually worked, ended up working at a feed store for minimum wage. And it's like, man, you chose that. You know, you chose to be a bum. And like his uh, sister was a CNA or something like that. She was bringing in, I guess, all the dough. Wasn't very much dough, but it was dough. And, uh, and even her, you know, she routinely made decisions that just, you know, instead of paying her car insurance, she would go buy two packs of cigarettes or two cartons of cigarettes, you know, that kind of thing. It's just that perpetual stuff, you know. You can choose to get out of it, but they just don't. And so, like, you know, for the people that don't have that mindset to get out of something that they're in, then, okay, yeah, sure, I wouldn't recommend it. But for anybody that is strong-willed enough at least to pull themselves out of something, yeah, totally. Like, I mean, totally live poor. Like, when I moved to Arkansas... Uh, you know, I left my ex-wife everything I could. I like my last paycheck I got from work. I gave it to her, um, you know, because I didn't have anything else. And I came down here in a my pickup and a pickup box trailer and a little tiny camper. And when I say a little tiny camper, I do mean a tiny one. Uh, some of you can attest to it, but it's uh, five by eight is how big this camper is. Five foot by eight foot. So was it just a sleeper? Not really. <laughs> it was. It's meant for standing up in. Um, kind of. It, have you seen it? No, I don't think I have. Seriously? Yeah. Oh man, oh, that oh, I've got a you treat still have for it? you. Yeah, it's in the storage unit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it didn't get stolen. No, it's too shitty. No one wants it. <laughs> it's seriously like a shit brown, <laughs> like on the outside. <laughs> it's it's from the sixties. It's it's a kit oh, camper man. from the sixties. That's like probably with money now. It is like people I, into that. When I was living with Nathan, by the way, I lived with Nathan for a while. Uh, and if you're curious who Nathan is, go back and listen to episode twenty seven. Twenty twenty six. This is an episode twenty seven too. Mm. Yeah, twenty six totally, is Nathan. Totally recommend uh Nathan Burford. He's a he's a super awesome dude. Uh but anyway, uh, when I lived with him, I actually was at, I was at a point, I'm like, okay, my girlfriend, who is my wife now, uh, would not, she just refused to stay with me in that camper, which is why I moved in with Nathan, uh, so she would stay the night with me. Uh, 
Lisa, Jeff, sorry about it. Yes, your daughter was sleeping with me um, <laughs> at Nathan's house sometimes. <laughs> You're going to get Nathan in trouble, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and uh, anyway, so like I was, I was like downsizing. I'm like, just going to get rid of it. Like, you know, it's a, it's a chapter in my life. I just need gone because like it reminded me of the Xbox girl and like just all the failure essentially I had in life or whatever. And I was going to sell it and like it was kind of in not great condition. It's still not. But like somebody offered me a thousand dollars for it, I'm like, man, that's I'd almost do that, but I couldn't do it. Yeah, I need, I need to look at this thing. Yeah, it's it's it, I crammed, a, I, so I got it, and I got it from my great uncle. Like when I told my dad I was leaving, like I, you know, I called him up, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I I am leaving. I'm going to Arkansas, and he's like, okay. Uh, and so when he finally came around to the fact that I was leaving and there's nothing he could do about it, he's like, well, uh, I told him. And then like two days later, he's like, Hey, uh, we've got that pickup box trailer and I've got a, like a topper for it. So like, if you want to like take that and haul your stuff in, you can take it and fix it up and whatever. And it was a fifties pickup bed, you know, and it was all rotted out and stuff. Is it, it's a bed camper. Well, no, I took two, I took two trailers down here, tandem right behind each other okay yeah so it's like a just a pickup box trailer that you would see on the road like a homemade trailer like one that mounts on the bed of the truck no no like you cut a pickup in half and then put a tow hitch on it and then that's what it was like axle and all okay yeah so i had that and it was just enough like so i could get all my tools and everything that i had packed in there and take more of my belongings because I still couldn't take all of my belongings down with me because I was only in my truck and this pickup box trailer. Man, that's the most fun part is trying to reduce <laughs> as many belongings as possible. Yeah, you should know about that. Huh? So you can move down in like a Prius <laughs> or something. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't know, Joel is a minimalist of sorts and he is ridiculous. He wears black clothes only all the time. Think about If you that. open that closet, you'll see. What closet? This one? No, that's oh, the bathroom. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I have more than black. I'll have you know. Okay, okay, okay. I've got a couple of white t-shirts, actually. You said yeah. you're getting rid of those. I'm getting rid of some. <laughs> <laughs> Not the long sleeve ones. <laughs> I like those ones. <sighs> anyway. Okay, so anyway, so like uh, I get this box trailer and I fix it up. And like two, It's like two, three days later. I'm like, okay, man, I'm in a way better spot than it was. And then my dad calls me like, on the fifth day, you know, I'm, a, I'm one week away from moving to Arkansas. And he goes, hey, Uncle Jerry has that camper that's out back that he's never touched. Like, he said he could have it if you want it. If you're really going to leave, I'm like, yeah, let me look at it. And it was this 60s camper from, like, my Uncle Jerry bought it in the 80s. And he bought it from some other guy that had it for a long time. And it was already used in a piece of crap by then. But... Uncle Jerry bought it for him and his buddy to go fishing in and then his buddy died and he's, he quite literally just left it in his yard and he never touched it, but it had a doggy door on it. Right. Huh. And for like five to seven years, the doggy door wasn't shut. Like it wasn't actually shut or anything like that. So cats and birds and all kinds of stuff were just going in and out of that thing. <laughs> and when we opened the door, like, you know, we crammed the padlock off of it. We opened the door. Just this, you know, that cat smell. Like, just yeah. feral cat just, you know, just hits you. It's like, oh, God. There was, a, there was like five layers of carpet that are just 
cat piss and cat shit all the way soaked all the way through dead birds uh all kinds of debris have you replaced this carpet uh initially yes i did okay i, yeah. I took it back to the house uh and gutted well i didn't gut it i took it got rid of all the fabric and took it down to the wood okay which was still it still had that smell you know that that cat smell uh. um couldn't get rid of it but i had no choice because i was leaving in a few days and so i got it livable and then uh towed it down here and i probably lived in it for about two months pretty much to the point where like i noticed my clothes were taking on that same smell and i couldn't get rid of it uh. and um the I was about two months in. I dated. I was around the time I was dating a stripper, which was not my best moment. <laughs> for the record, don't date strippers. <laughs> but I dated a stripper there for a minute, and that's about that same time, like July of fifteen or something like that. And I was gutting it, it was like super hot, but like I was getting rid of all the wood that was in there, just stripping it down to the floor, and then I redid it, shoved a queen size bed in it. Uh, and a bunch of storage underneath that doggy door is an air conditioner uh, deal now. Uh, and then made a little counter and a little eating area. Wow. Yeah. This is a five by five eight, by eight yeah. you said? It's super cramped. Like you, when you Especially walk. Especially for a man your size. Yeah, I know. Uh, 6'4", 250. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, once I squeeze through this little narrow door, you know, and shut it behind me, like I'm permanently crouched over the bed is immediately like on your leg on the left and then on the right um, is just like a few feet, just big enough for the folding up table, the fold up tables and stuff I had for everything. But I lived in that for like a year, you know, it was a, I lived out of campground when I first moved here out down South. And uh, yeah, I, I, the campground I lived at, they had is a, retired biker place and they were very interesting like that whole group of people too yeah <laughs> like, I bet. like the same this almost the same degree of debauchery that sister fucker was uh <laughs> this campground was the same but it was super fun everybody was everybody was great uh just they were very wild when the lights went out <laughs> so wow yeah i mean before you said that I was going to say, I do recommend people trying to live out of a vehicle for a while. Oh, yeah. Like, definitely. Get rid of as much as you possibly can. Ask the questions, what do I actually need? Right. What and for the need? most part, what you need is clothing. Yes. A place to sleep that's out of whatever the weather is. And food and water. Maybe some hygiene stuff. Yeah, hygiene stuff. But you can get that. You don't. You don't need that in your living space. You can get a subscription these days. You get a Planet Fitness membership, and you've got a shower anywhere in the anywhere in the country. Ooh, that's a great idea. Yeah, that would have been way better <laughs> to do. No, I mean, I don't guy. know what they had at wow. the time. But yeah, that was a tip I got from somebody a that while ago. Like, fantastic. Getting a gym membership is fantastic totally. for being on the road and not yes. having a place to live. That is awesome. For the. Yeah. Uh, Joel just blew my mind. I might become homeless later. <laughs> like, cause when I moved down here, uh, so like I, I brought my two trailers and I went to Springdale, you know, that pilot over there in Springdale off of 412. 
Uh, probably. Anyway, so you get off on 412, and there's a pilot right there with a Burger King. Or yeah, where yeah. Sam's Club is next. next. By the highway, by yeah. uh, I-49. You mean. Yeah. Okay. And uh, those parking spaces that are right there by Burger King, like I unhooked everything and just sat there for days uh, with a, an inverter to run a lamp that I also used for heat in the in the beginning of April. And it rained for the first week I was here, and... Like I was here for like three days. I had no money. I'm like, I've got to take a shower. So I go into the pilot and ask him like, Hey man, like I really need to take a shower. How much does it cost? Like I, I just like, like I'll take a two minute shower if I have to, whatever. And he goes, well, it's 12 bucks at the pilot at the pilot. They have showers. Yeah. It's a truck stop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, $12. <laughs> like, what are you out of your mind? <laughs> and I thought about it. I'm like, no, I really want that shower. So yes, I'll pay twelve dollars. And it was to to date is the best shower I've ever taken in my life. Huh, that's know. a good question. What's the best shower you've ever taken? Uh, I bet most people can't even answer that. You know, I could think of a couple. Oh, okay, all right. But yeah, like just it's you know I ask my wife this all the time. My wife, my wife grew up. You know, bless her heart. You know, but. <laughs> You know, middle white class, uh, just, you know, nothing super bad ever happened to her, you know, never really went without. Sure, money was tight here and there, but she lived a good life when it comes down to it. Her parents took care of her. Um, But man, like when I, I, when we're talking about stuff that we need, you know, she'll start talking, oh, I need to get new curtains for the living room and, and I need to. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, like absolutely not. No, you've got the wrong concept. Like you just need to like be concerned about what you're going to eat for four days uh, when you have no money. Then, then you can be more concerned about it. Yeah, Cause like when I lived out at the campground, I won't name drop on that one. But <laughs> when, when I lived at the campground, um, you know, I, I really, once I paid, once I started paying child support, uh, I really did not have any money and I, I can't stress that enough. Like every, every payday, um, on my way home, like, you know, cause like I just, I didn't have any money for food. Like I ate ramen all the time. Um, when I could afford to buy a 12 pack of the ones that you cook and like I would budget out for one hamburger from McDonald's. So it was a dollar nineteen at the McDonald's I was going to, and like that—that that was the extent of my frivolous expenses. Everything else was absolutely necessary, and like I'd go back and just sit in that camper, and you know the the everybody else there that lived there was very long term. Like they'd been there like ten years, and they're living in their camper, and so like they'd invite me over for supper, and it always worked out like if I didn't have something to eat, it was always, it never failed. Like somebody was cooking steak or somebody like the, the lady that owned it, like she'd make ham and bean soup for all the long timers that were there. You know, it was, we were always taken care of. Uh, and I was very, very grateful for that. And, uh, if the people that own that campground, if you ever hear this, like seriously, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Like you have, I don't know if you have any idea what you guys did for me in that period of time, but yeah, I mean, just go, just go without stuff. 
for a while. And then yeah. it gives you a totally different perspective on life. I honestly think it's a great practice. Oh, yeah. Try going without a bed for a while. Yeah. You'll really, you'll discover so fast that you don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll also discover that it's nice. It's a luxury. Luxury is what yes. it is. Luxury <laughs> is the word. And you don't appreciate luxuries as luxuries until you recognize that they're not necessary. Uh-huh. That is faux show. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. I will say, man, you don't seem to have researched how to live out your car very well before, before uh, doing this. I wasn't tech savvy until I moved to Arkansas. <laughs> Like at all, I was I was that country bumpkin, uh, like. I mean, we still had dial up, yeah. You know, and I well, like we we got dial up when I was like thirteen, uh, in two thousand three, and you know when that happened, you know, I mean, you guys, some of you guys remember dial up, like it take you oh, yeah. forty five minutes to download a picture. Right. <laughs> you know? So like it, it just wasn't feasible to look up. And plus that kind of information wasn't even on the internet back then. And then, <coughs> you know, when it came time to me leaving, like when I moved down to Arkansas, like I was still just an uneducated, uninformed 25 year old that was just coming out of a serious relationship, taking care of kids. Like, right. You know, we, we, I don't, we had internet, I think we had internet, like me and my ex-wife, we had internet when I left, but we didn't have internet initially because like we just couldn't afford it. Like right. and you'd, you suggest that to people nowadays, <laughs> like they live with their shit, you know, well, no like, internet, you got you internet. No, you, I need internet. Yeah. Like, what the, for? Yeah. It's like, no, you don't need it. You're, you, I mean, you'll be an uneducated bumpkin like I was. No, but, you won't. <laughs> No, I don't mean that. I'm not, I'm not nitpicking you. It was also kind of a joke to say that you didn't research living out of your car very much. Right. Because I was thinking, I mean, I tried to do it well and realized that I didn't, I hadn't worked out the methodology very well because I built, I built a big box that I would sleep on that would also provide storage that went into the back of my Jeep. But the way I designed it, the doors weren't quite right, so they didn't open all the way. It was way too heavy. Mm -hmm. um, it gave my Jeep the terrible death wobble. Mm -hmm. Like, that extra weight in the back mm -hmm. scared me. Yeah, and then you fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> but I had, uh, I think I had, at the time, yeah, would have had this big, like, seven-gallon water jug. Uh -huh. I filled that with water. I had... A couple of five-gallon buckets full of noodles. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I had a little propane stove. Oh, yeah. And some propane, you know, and a couple of pots and pans and some camp dishes and things. Oh, yeah. And I remember one time pulling over and, like, parking with the rear of the, the Jeep to, like, facing the road, facing away from the building, basically, of this gas station or rest stop or whatever. And feeling so nervous that they were gonna see me trying to cook food <laughs> out there, and I realized that I didn't. I didn't have butter, so I used olive oil. I was just gonna make butter noodles. Wow, it's, with salt. It's you all know? you got. It's all yeah, you got. I mean, yeah, you you, you just, live on what you can. Yeah, you're just satisfied that you got something to eat. Yeah, and I thought, what better than way than noodles? I mean, yeah, that's all you need, right? Just carbs. Yeah, I mean, uh, ramen. That's the same freaking thing. That's yeah, all I same thing. <laughs> but uh, now, if I would have known better, I would have. Let's, I, I would do better now. Yeah, I could do better now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 
I'm definitely more educated than I was. Yeah. <laughs> and trial and error. You know, you, you learn how to do things well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like how to pack. Like you really, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. You get good at packing for sure. <laughs> oh, man. I don't like, I, I think about it now. This all the stuff I brought down, which wasn't much, but like that Tetris game that I played to get all that stuff in there. Like, man, I, I brought a lot of stuff with me. Yeah. I mean, just I'm just thinking now as well, putting it into perspective. In 2017, I left in the Jeep. And in it had what I thought were like a good means to live packed in it. Mm-hmm. And I still didn't do it very well. Yeah. And then three years later, I left and went to Australia with a backpack. <laughs> And that was enough. Now, granted, I didn't have food on me or shelter. Right. The Jeep provided shelter, and then mm-hmm. I had food that was cookable with it. But other than that, I was more prepared and more more ready to like tackle tackle whatever obstacles were in my way mm. while I just had a backpack. Here's a question: Have you done a of uh, what what do you call this? What we're doing now? Podcast? Well, not a podcast, but like a, a verbal account. Have you done a verbal account of your trip to Australia? The whole thing? Yeah. No. We should totally do that. Well, like, I mean... 31 should be Joel. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. No. I would totally listen to it, for sure. It's an interesting thought. For, any, for anybody else... Who's going to interview know, me, though? I'll interview you. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> I'll get down to the nitty-gritty. <laughs> yeah, you will. Wow, that's a really interesting thought, though. Uh, no, it's like, seriously, anybody that does Maybe episode 50. <laughs> Oh man, that'd, that'd be, be like a good two years. That'd be a good like anniversary episode for sure. Yeah, yeah, like totally. If if there's ever a Joel episode, everybody should listen to it because it'd be a freaking hilarious. The thing is, they're all Joel episodes because I'm on every single episode. Yeah, but we need to focus on that Australia trip for sure, and okay. just the and you leaving Juliet. Like we need to focus on that too. <laughs> just that that how everything just is in your world all the time the road trip which is just bullshit <laughs> <laughs> you mean how well things turn how well out things for me? Turn out, yeah like i, don't, I mean uh, i don't know if any of you guys feel like this but when i do stuff you know and i try to uh, go with the flow like uh it generally doesn't work out for me all that well it works better if i plan it or uh, if i at least have some semblance of direction over it not joel New. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe if you heard the story, you wouldn't think that way. Because <laughs> I wouldn't say that my solo excursions have been super successful. Uh, you're not. I've survived dead. them. But that one story you've got, like man. But I, the 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 in process of it, the the immediacy of being in those situations, um, was not good. I've learned a lot of things. From I bet them. you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, now I'm stowing that away as an idea. I mean, for somebody else to to ask me questions. Mm-hmm. I'm just so picky, you know. Mm, man, I have such control gonna, issues. It'd be hard for me to. I'd be surrendering the podcast to someone else's oh, wishes. Yeah, God forbid. Yeah. Yeah. This is my show. Maybe you should have all of the people you've interviewed come back and interview you for that one. <laughs> yeah, and we just rotate people. Yeah, different like one people question ask each. questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. No, for now we're talking about Utah. Yeah, okay. So you made it to Arkansas. Made it to Arkansas. Do you feel like arriving in Arkansas became, looking back on it now anyway, 
was a turning point in your life becoming something very different? Oh, hell to the yeah. Like, that's not even... Uh, that that answer couldn't be any more yes. Because, I mean, you know, like everybody can go back, look, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can pick out certain points in your life that, you know, just that you can see where something changed. Um, you know, and I've got a lot of those. Well, I wouldn't say a lot. I've got a few of those when I lived in Nebraska. Um, but, like, my life... I feel like my life did not start until I moved to Arkansas. Um, mm. You know, I was when I was with my ex-wife, it was a high school sweetheart thing. I don't even know if you want to call it that. Um, but we met like sophomore year, and you know, she was pretty controlling. I didn't know any better. I just did it because that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, slim pickings in a small town, like didn't like I said, didn't know any better, and you know, got out of school. She went to college. We got pregnant by mistake. Um, and then the miscarriage that, that really screwed things up for, I don't know, our future, I guess, um, in the direction that it was headed, you know, but like once that miscarriage happened, everything just fell apart. Uh, she fell apart. It was very hard on her. Uh, and she just got baby crazy after that. And that shaped the rest of our lives. Um, in a, in a very negative direction, for sure. Because every every reason for having a family was all for the wrong reasons, and and she came from a bad family too. And my family's <laughs> that's a podcast for another day. But um, yeah, my family wasn't nothing to praise about for sure. Um, but then you know when I came down to Arkansas, it was the first time since I was 16, uh, being 25 that I was able to figure out who I am on my own. Cause I hadn't had that yet. I was just living it for other people up to that point. And, you know, moved down here for Xbox girl. And, uh, she was awesome. Like I still to this day, like if I could talk to her again, I'd, I'd like to do so. Like she's just, she was just awesome all the way around. And, uh, the, just the situation that we were both in just didn't warrant us a future together. And, you know, going beyond that, uh, you know, that was, that was hard. Cause like I left everything I knew back in Nebraska, my kids, my wife, my parents, all of my family, which I didn't really care for anyway, to be honest. Uh, and then, you know, just everything I ever knew. And then this one thing that was timing Arkansas is now gone. And I'm by myself living in a camper, five by eight camper by myself alone. And, you know, I'm pretty good at being alone. I was alone all my life. You know, even though I was married and everything, I never felt like I could depend on anybody. Um, you know, but once once I had to live in that loneliness and, you know, really reach out for the things that were important to me. And as, as far as what defines me as a person and who I am, uh, once I was able to get through all that stuff, um, you know, it took me a little while to kind of gain traction, you know, six months or so. By that time I had actually met Allie 
And, uh, you know, after that, like, yeah, I mean, my life is completely different. I mean, even from what the first day that I was down in Arkansas, my life is com- was completely different from what anything in Nebraska was. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I had a chance to live for myself and find myself and figure out who I was. And a lot of people have that kind of story, but, uh, for me, it was, uh, transforming for sure. Like, uh, didn't have a spine, you know, when I left Nebraska, like I just did every, yeah. Yeah. The person, really? you know, yeah. The person, you know, now is not the person <laughs> that I was in Nebraska. I was a, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. I was a push. Chuck Johnson without a spine. Yeah. You know, all wobbly and jiggly like jello, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was, I was, uh, very, I was very kind. Uh, very gentle, didn't use any cuss words, uh, very proper, uh, religious, you know, all the things that you're supposed to be. And then I moved here and I started working pretty much a minimum wage job, um, paying child support, living in that camper. And it hardened me up real quick, you know, just... Also, <laughs> I'd say you're still kind. You've been kind since I've known you. Well, it just comes off a little rough sometimes. It, it is it's definitely a, rough. It's a blunt kindness. Yes. Like, hey, man, you want to come over here? Oh, you don't? Well, fuck you. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's my kindness in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, it, that and like, I don't know, just all the experiences I had, like that, that freaking campground with those crazy ass bikers like they, they were just you know they were every kind of off the charts crazy you could think of they were awesome people but together they were a wreck <laughs> you know i can imagine yeah, yeah they were very awesome though and uh, i'm really glad that i've not had that experience of arkansas like to me arkansas is on the whole just a paradise Full of beauty. It was a paradise if you're a redneck that likes moonshine. I mean. Yeah, see, I, I'm aware that that's a part of Arkansas as well. Right. Honestly, it's probably part of most of the state. Right. It's, it's probably most of the state. Mm-hmm. Northwest Arkansas is this weird little cutaway corner of the state where there's a lot of wealth. And so there's a lot of things that come with wealth like comfort and security and normalcy and dependency and mm all these things that the comfortable American expects in their life. But I'm aware that that's not yeah. the norm everywhere. Man, you know? move to a campground. <laughs> <laughs> like, live at a campground for a while. I think you'll have a totally different experience. Yeah. Well, I had the internet. That was awesome. Oh, really? Wow. I was playing Xbox in my camper. You know, that was... Man, you brought the necessities. Wow. Well, I had a little five it. by eight. <laughs> it was on top of my dresser, and then my TV was on top of my dresser too. So it was it was fine. Didn't take up a whole lot of room. Um, actually, my I, I had the reason why I had to gut the camper to begin with. Like wasn't I like I wanted to do it for the smell and just the hygiene of it, but it actually started to fall apart because of the weight of my dresser in the corner of it. It was actually tearing the floor of the camper. Oh, okay. <laughs> like to just take everything off and redo okay, it. Yeah, it was due for a re- restore. Yeah, like when I got through, I was pulling it through Kansas City and and they're doing construction or whatever. And like I, it was just white knuckle driving because it was not a stable load that I was hauling. 
and there's these little 70s styled brad nails that held the whole thing together and on the back side of that camper none of them were still in by the time i got here <laughs> so there's a lot of people with flat tires during that period of time i'm sure and i'm sorry for that wow <laughs> yeah but yeah like uh it's uh it's everything about everything i've experienced in arkansas has definitely shaped me for the positive i would say um and it's it's everything to do with the type of situation i was in all the stuff i had to learn uh all the relational stuff i learned because like all that stuff i learned in prison i couldn't use with my wife my ex-wife because essentially she wouldn't allow it and so then i came down here and i had this library of stuff of relational skills that I actually got to use on people and it worked like, you know, like I said, the person, you know, now is not the person I was seven years ago. And, you know, I just, everywhere I went, I made friends. It didn't matter. You know, I just accepted people for who they were. And, you know, when you genuinely do that, you can see a person come to life in all in that. And then you really get that person for who they are. And then you, you know, People come and go, though. You know, it is what it is, and uh, so you lose people along the way. But the people I have made friends with, man, I'll never, I'll never forget them. You know, even the crazy biker people. Uh, you know, the stripper. I'll never forget her because <laughs> I, I dated a stripper once. You know, I can say that. And uh, uh, you know, Allie. You know, she was a preacher's daughter when I met her. That <laughs> was, that was like the epitome of. Yes, like I found one, you know, and <laughs> just the experiences that go along with that and everything, man. It was, uh, it's all been awesome. I, yeah, I've had, I've had the worst heartbreak, um, in Arkansas. I, I have had the highest highs and the lowest lows I have ever experienced as a person in Arkansas. I've lived more life in seven years than I did in 25 in Nebraska. Uh, but, you know, if I could go back and, you know, not do some of it, I don't know. I'd probably still do some of it, I suppose. You know, because uh, Xbox girl left and you know, tore me apart. There was another relationship I had later on that tore me apart. Um, and, uh, you know, more so than anything else I've ever experienced in my life. But, Everything that I've experienced has brought, you know, again, everybody says this, but it really has. It's brought me to exactly where I'm at right now. And I almost couldn't be any better, you know. Not everybody says that. The people with a modicum of wisdom say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to you have to get drugs through the dirt before you realize what you're looking at. Yeah. You know? I mean, I have a, it's been similar for me. I can absolutely say I've lived more life since being in Arkansas than I did in the 22 years before it. And it seems honestly like each year there has been more life. There's been more life condensed mm. and crammed into this short period <laughs> oh, of yeah, time. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's been incredible. And at the same time, it also, the highest highs and the lowest lows. Yeah. 
in this period since I was 22. <laughs> Which sucks dick. It really does. <laughs> like, I don't know, if, you know, for you people that are listening, man, like if you've, if you've had a relatively level emotional experience your whole life, that's great. You know, that's, I, I'm glad for you. I hope you don't ever have to experience the lowest lows, man. But honestly, when it comes down to it, you can't appreciate where you're at until you've been at the bottom. You know, there's, there's a, that's a hundred percent truth right there. Although I'll, I'll add that everybody's bottom is different. I'm not talking about your butt. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause my true. bottom was very different than yours. Uh, hell it was. Yeah. 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 And not, and it, you know, it's not any less than mine by any means. Cause you know, for you, I'm sure that was a very traumatic thing. Just being homeschooled and, just living the way that you grew up and hey man what are you trying to say you're weird (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i guess that's fair yeah i mean homeschooled people are weird (laughs) it's the weird people that that i get get to be friends with though because those are the people that are going to be real with you yeah typically yeah like yeah there's because we don't have enough like social awareness you know yeah to fake it right (laughs) (laughs) which is a good thing in my opinion yeah like for the record if you're weird look me up like friend me on facebook (laughs) like straight up i'll be your friend i ain't worried about it you gotta be careful man there's two million people listening to this Uh, i don't care i'll be their friend i have 160 friends on facebook and like i see people all the time i have thousands of friends i'm like man look at all them look at all them peoples that doesn't mean anything i know but if you guys want to be my friend i'll be your friend don't worry if you feel alone, by God, I'll be your friend. Just ask Joel. I'll be his friend. <laughs> yeah. Good times. So, we usually talk about God at some point. Okay. Do you want to talk about God? Yeah. Okay. Who's God? <laughs> oh, he's a mean <laughs> kid with a magnifying glass. <laughs> Looking at me, I'm down on an anthill, just freaking burning my antenna off. <laughs> you think so? Uh, I used to think that, actually. Yeah? Cause, like, so you you did mention you would consider yourself a religious person yeah. before coming to Arkansas. Yeah. More, I don't know. Uh, no, I'd say more so now. Yeah. Uh, I have a deeper understanding of what it means for me, specifically than I did before. Um, when, so a little bit of back backdrop of my family, the Johnstons were Bible thumpers, right? Just, you couldn't say the word but, you couldn't allude to the word but, you couldn't step out of line, you couldn't speak out of line, children were meant to be seen and not to be heard. Um, you know, just very strict and cold. Like, I don't know. In my personal opinion, like one of the one of the worst family experiences you could probably have growing up as a kid. Um, you know, I guess you learn to be proper, which is good, but I don't really have any other positive things to say about it than that. Uh, and then my mom's side of the family, they were just a bunch of rednecks that loved to hunt deer and they were Lutheran because that was tradition and like none of them ever went to church, but whenever somebody got married, 
or somebody was born, like they went to the Lutheran church to get that business taken care of. And that's what they did, even though none of them really, I don't know, practiced it or believed it or lived by that or anything like that. And then, uh, you know, and obviously with the whole Bible thumper attitude, you know, comes a lot of that uh, stigma of, you know, the dad beats mom and kids are, you know, meant to just be put in their rooms or like do chores and what, I don't know, whatever have you, whatever you can think of as far as Bible thumpers go, that was pretty much the case. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, like I can remember several times, you know, my dad beating my mom and I want to say beating, I mean like my dad's a big dude and my mom was not small, but she was just average size, like beating her, you know, on the way just for saying something out of line, you know, like to the point where like her whole arm would be black and blue. And, you know, that was, that was the picture of religion that I had when I was living in Nebraska. You know, I, we go to church is, you know, everybody shuts their mouth when they get out of the van and we go into church and we listen and we don't say a word. We come out and no one says anything the rest of the day. And we just all go our separate ways. And then, the worst part of Sunday was going to church like that, the getting the preparation, getting, you know, getting ready to go. And, you know, when I was younger, you know, I was, went to, I got sent to Bible camp, all the right things or whatever. But at, at one point I did realize for myself that, that, you know, it was like something a counselor said at Bible camp, like you have to accept Jesus into your heart. Uh, in order for you yourself to be saved. Uh, and that's kind of what she was alluding to or whatever. And, and like, I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's going to be my choice. And if it's going to be my choice, then I'm going to make up my own mind about it and disregard whatever it is I'm being taught because obviously I don't think it's right. And, uh, eventually, um, like that, yeah, dad actually went to jail at one point, uh, and got out and I don't know what happened there. I was too young to really understand, but, and we stopped going to church pretty much after that. Like the whole Johnston image, uh, that the Johnston family portrayed of themselves was now broken because like my dad went to jail for beating my mom, even though that's what they all did, you know, on a regular basis. And, uh, so when we stopped going to church, I turned into a teenager and I was chasing girls. Uh, and so I would actually go to youth groups. I'd, I'd, I'd go to different churches and youth group hop just to find different girls so I could date them. Right. So as soon as I exhausted one, me and my buddy, we just go to the next town over, you know, and we, we just had a good time. It wasn't, it was not about the message at all. It was just about having a good time. And we did that for years. And then I met my ex-wife and then she put an end to all that. Uh, and I met my ex-wife at a youth group, ironically enough. And, uh, you know, just that whole experience, the Johnstons, they're, they they just, you know, they've actually fell apart right before my eyes over the course of like 10 years. Like um, the 
pastor, well, not the pastor, well, the, the youth leader for the youth group we were going to uh, was my dad's cousin. And like he shacked up with one of the 16 or 17 year olds that was in the youth group and he was 35 uh, and he was married and had three kids and stuff like that. And that was a whole big scandal. And then that caused a divide in the family. And then uh, a couple other of the well, two or three other of the Johnston couples got divorced uh, and one of them died and that made a big rift. And then, um, one of them was homeless for a little while. And then another one died of like a brain tumor or something like that. It just fell apart. And, uh, and it was at that point, like I was, you know, essentially 20 and, or 19, 20, I was out, you know, I was living my own life. I'd moved out early of my parents' house, you know, make my own decisions and stuff. And it wasn't until, man, I got, we moved out to West Nebraska and moved back. So this is after we had the twins and we, like my ex actually suggested that we start going to church again. But again, it was for the wrong reasons. It was just to look good, you know, to, to be proper or whatever. Um, and it was, um, the jail that I went to, the sheriff was actually a pastor as well. And it was his church that we were going to go to. It's very safe. Uh, he's a great guy. I owe a lot to him. Um, you know, not very many people can say about, say that about their sheriff, but yeah, he was, he was an awesome dude. And, uh, you know, at that point, you know, that was really the only serious adult, I don't know, relationship that I had with God. But even at that, it was super dry. Like, you know, all biblical teachings, you know, nothing like life application or anything like that. And, uh, you know, even, and even the whole prison thing, you know, like I knew what I read in books, but I didn't know how to apply it. And, uh, when I essentially moved to Arkansas, you know, I was here for the first few weeks and I was all by myself. Nothing's going right. I'm in a terrible place mentally. And my, I was, I would call every day, then it turned into every week, uh, my kids back home and my ex again suggested that I find a church to go to, which was very odd for her to suggest it was very unselfish of her, which is not like her. Um, so I Googled some stuff and found the Grove and went and I went one Sunday, like didn't really talk to anybody. I did fill out a connection card just with my name and number and stuff. And filled that out, sent it in, and the next weekend, I was actually going back to see my kids, and on the way back on my trip, um, a guy from the church, Rodney, do you know, did you ever meet Rodney? Yeah. So Rodney calls me, and I don't know Rodney, I, I, I'd never met him, and he calls me on, the fo- on my phone on my way, I'm coming through Kansas City. And he calls me, he goes, hey, man, this is Rodney Driver, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, I just noticed you weren't at church today. I'm like, how? How do you, what? What is going on? Because I, to that point, I'd never experienced anything like that. And, and, and honestly, I can say to this day, uh, Rodney is a big part of the reason why I am where I am today. Because, you know, I would have probably went back to the Grove 
it was a cool little church. Um, you know, you get like a little rock and roll show at the, at the beginning, which is awesome, you know? Um, and the messages were always good, but like it, it didn't feel any, I didn't feel anything toward it. You know, the first couple of times I went, but after Rodney made that connection, I'm like, man, like I was there and somebody saw me like that. That made a huge difference, um, for me in, I don't know, my intentionality and in actually being rooted in Christianity in general. Because, uh, you know, it was very fleeting. It was like, oh, yeah, I believe in God, but it's just kind of whatever. Uh, and then, you know, I went that next Sunday, and then he invited me to Cass and Brandy's group. And that further just helped that along because I was in a terrible place mentally. And to have that group of people uh, just take me in, you know, that was incredible. And it was through uh, the community group more so than anything um, that I actually decided for myself that I was going to take a relationship with God seriously. Um, You know, not that I had ever taken it lightly, I guess, you know, but like be more purposeful and intentional, talk to God, uh, have have the conversations that I want to have with somebody, but I don't have to talk to, you know, uh, like the Xbox girl, like all my frustrations with that, like talk to, talk to him, let it out and talk to all, talk to him about all the things that I have an issue with and just unload everything. And once I got in the habit of actually being in a relationship with God, not using him just as a, a venting tool to get all my frustrations out, but actually having a back and forth relationship where I talk a bunch and I sit and listen and wait and see if he says anything back. And that that's a, honestly the biggest problem with people nowadays is that they don't want to take the time to sit and listen. Uh, and that's, that's 50% of what you got to do when it comes to all this. And that was one thing that, you know, being in that community group and living by myself in that stupid camper uh, taught me was just sit and listen. Just be patient. Just if it doesn't come in five minutes, it might come in five days. If it doesn't come at all, don't get pissed. Just keep talking to them. It's, it's not a, it's not a give and take relationship. It's just a relationship. Yeah. It's not, it's not anything that's uh, measurable, I guess, as Brandy would put it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, ever since then, yeah, I went to the Grove for a couple of years. Finally got Allie to go, and uh, we went strong there. And then COVID hit, and I wasn't going to wear no mask anywhere. <laughs> so so I, I pretty much stopped going at that point. But we're at a point where we're kind of stable again, and, we uh, just recently started going. And, you know, as far as my relationship with God currently, like, you know, people ask me that every now and then. You, Joel, more than anyone else. <laughs> um, it's kind of incredible that I'm even interested at this point with what, all the other things that the different stages that I've been through with him, that I'm the person who's ending up asking people that question. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah. I'd say if anybody had more of a whiplash relationship with anybody, it's it's pro- with with him. It's probably you, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, 
but you know, like we're good, you know. Uh, there's a there's a saying out there like you don't have to go home to be married, and you don't have to go to church to be Christian. But in either case, if you don't, you got a pretty poor relationship, right? And that's it's, there's a lot to be said about that. Like, yeah, uh, there, that period of time where we didn't go, like the first six months was fine, uh, and I. But then it got to a point where I wasn't being intentional, talking to God every day, or just being thankful in general. Because right when COVID hit, like was one major thing that happened between me and Allie that almost split us apart. And, you know, if I'd have been more involved with the people that I initially was close to at the Grove, could that have turned out all different? Possibly. Um, You know, if I'd have been more, if if I would have been willing to listen to what God was saying, because I heard him the whole time you know, during that period of time, like I heard him talking to me, but I chose to ignore him, you know, because he was at, he was not the forefront of my mind. He's in the back. You know, I was like, Oh yeah, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. We'll catch up later. Yeah. That kind of thing. If I'd have just listened, you know, that potentially that whole thing would have never happened. But, you know, I mean, coming, coming out of, COVID essentially and um, you know getting into the middle part of 2021 you know getting back into the idea of having a relationship with God and everything like as long as you do it like man well at least for me as long as I do it just talk to him you know not maybe not every day just talk to him like I would if he was my best friend uh, you know, just have a conversation with him. If I just do that stuff, then, you know, a lot of the other stuff just falls away. It doesn't matter, you know. Uh, money doesn't matter. Drama at work doesn't matter. Nothing matters, you know. Just, it just falls away. As long as you do it right, that is. A lot of stuff there. Yeah, a big pause. I'm going to need to cut that out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was taking a note. You should, if, if you guys could see the the uh, the looks on our faces, you could see that there's a lot of thought going on there. So. Yeah, I don't have money to hire a production crew to make this a video <laughs> podcast right, right now. So if you're interested in sponsoring the show, let me know. <laughs> I also I wanted to make a comment on uh, you used the term post-COVID, I think. Did I? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, for those who maybe don't live in Arkansas. Uh. Oh, yeah. Just tr- try, to, try to imagine that maybe you live in like New York or Los Angeles or something. Right. Believe it or not, not all of the world is as crazy as where you are. Right. <laughs> all the time. We went back and, to- <laughs> and whatever you may have heard on the news recently, 
if you walk out your front door and go outside, you're probably not just going to drop dead from a virus and you're probably not going to be shot from some crazy person running up to you. Mm. Like those are both possibilities in the, the grand scheme of reality that could happen. It's probably not going to. Yep. Like life's probably not quite the way it's painted uh, on, we'll just say, the news. Yep. Yeah, uh, I and I mean I'm not one to sugarcoat things, but man, if you live in those places and you're one of those folks, like <laughs> you're gonna need to sack up, like just just stop it. <laughs> if you're, I mean, if you, you know, if you got some stuff, that's fine. You know, I'm not. If you got asthma, don't get COVID. Like that's fine. I believe in COVID. That's fine. Man, <laughs> we we've been living our lives down here, and it's it's been okay. Yeah. <laughs> I coughed right into the microphone right there. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> That's the wrong time. <laughs> I had a sinus infection, for those who don't know. Your ear, nose, and throat are all connected, okay? Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta take care of your body. Yeah, your body is a temple. Man, somebody asked me. I don't think they're going to listen to this, so I can say this. <laughs> somebody asked me <laughs> today if I practice body neutrality. All right, what the hell is that? Um, well, there's body positivity, right? All right, body negativity. Body negativity. You, I guess you got to have a name for it if you're not in one of what those the two fuck camps. ever. Like seriously, <laughs> body neutrality. Whatever. Okay. And I, I, I stopped for a moment. I asked them what they meant, and then I, I was kind of like, all right, God, how do I, how do I not be a jerk right now in my response? And I basically said, I try to be objective in my life. Sometimes my body's not very healthy. And it's not going to get healthy by saying it's fine. And then sometimes, you know, I look in the mirror and I'm like, dang, Joel, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> that happens all the time. While you're doing a handstand? <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, that's... Uh, why did I bring that up? What did you say that prompted me to respond with I that? I don't know. You just started talking about body neutrality. Yeah, body neutrality. Hmm. If your music choice is any indication on what your what's in your brain at any given time, then yeah, I have no idea where you're headed with that. <laughs> <laughs> we went from like opera to what, what would you call that folk? Um The last thing we the listened last to. The last was folk, yeah. Uh, I think they're usually considered like a type of rock. What? Yeah. I would not call them rock. Kaleo. Anybody listening, chime in by emailing me or something. I don't know. <laughs> Kaleo is an alternative rock band. Or we could just like Google it and look at No, I don't believe in that. We don't Google things on this show. <laughs> oh, man. We I, I endlessly everything. conjecture until we figure something out that oh. we have no grounds for. My dad would say, you use the muscle between your ears. Mm. He'd say something like that. There's a lot of muscles between your ears. That's true. There's a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, that opera piece is one of my favorites. I call, I call it the sad boy symphony. <laughs> it was sad. Yeah. Like if I had to put Joel in a song, that would be it right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a much more joyful person than I have been in the past, actually. Well, like I said earlier, I'm... 
the right. my current that I float along on is much calmer generally. Right. Um, but that is a beautiful piece. For those listening, it's uh, Gorecki, Goretzky, Symphony Number Four, I think. You'll find. Anyway, we're closing in on two hours, so we're gonna wind down. We got a lot crammed into two hours. More we, than yeah, yeah, more than I thought we would. <coughs> you you got a lot to talk about. Oh yeah, like you guys, like I said, you guys want to know, man? You just hit me up. Yeah, I'll give you stories all day to make you feel better about yourself. On Xbox Live. Uh, no, you can't <laughs> find me on there anymore. Sorry about it. Uh, you'll just have to hit me up on Facebook. Yeah. So, as I like to give, I like to remind people at the end of episodes, the reason this is two hours long is because like I want a chance to go in deep, but I also recognize there's no end to the depths of a human being. Mm -hmm. So let this be an inspiration to anybody listening. Just start a conversation with somebody and be genuine in that. Don't have an agenda of trying to make them a version of you. Just talk to somebody. That's, that's the point of this. Talk to people. Yep. Second that. Yeah. You've listened to an episode, haven't you? A few. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what every episode ends with? Nope. No. No. Uh, it's been a while. Every episode ends with the guest giving a recommendation and then telling a funny story. Oh, shit. Give me anything. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh. Okay. All right. So this is the wisdom of Tuck Johnston. I've uh, been listening to it for the last two hours. What do you mean? Yeah. Uh, so in, in all seriousness, when it comes to my recommendation for anybody out there, more than anything, more than, oh man, I mean, you know, then yeah, I might be the wrong person to talk to this, but talk to about this, but, um, there's a lot of things that go right in your life if you get relationships right. And and I don't mean taking a freaking, you know, read a book or reading two books or reading three books and then just stopping there and, you know, accepting that that's enough to get you by. Uh, over the last 10 years, I mean, I went to prison in 2011, so it's been, you know, 11, 12 years. Uh, I've never stopped with learning about relationships and learning about people, you know, whether or not I agree with anything that they have to say, there's plenty of people that I don't agree with, uh, their life choices, uh, that live here in Arkansas, uh, for sure, you know, but still listening to them and learning from them, like how to speak to them so that they understand you, uh, better. And then, not being so quick to get a, a freaking offended if someone says something to you that pushes your buttons. Uh, just learning about relationships and how to be with a person, not on your phone, not on the computer, not with, oh, I've only got an hour for you right now. Not with any of that bullshit. Like just sit down and talk to someone genuinely 
because you want to know more about them and do make a habit of that. And you'll see, in my opinion, you'll see your life change if you keep doing that. Cause that's all I've done over the last however many years. Uh, and it's, it's been life changing. I mean, really like, you know, from my relationship with my wife to the friends that I've made, uh, the friends that I've, that I've left, uh, you know, just people that I work with. I mean, everything people in the grocery store. I mean, Joel's seen this stuff like seriously, next time you're at the grocery store, I challenge you to do this. Say you're standing at a, at the meat section, looking at freaking hot dogs, like turn to the person next to you and just say, man, look at all these freaking hot dogs or, you know, so, just something like people want to be talked to. Uh, people want to be recognized. And if you just give that to them, man, they, they can give you so much more in return. Uh, yeah. So that's my recommendation. Just talk to people, like learn how to do relationships. Well, if you can learn how to do relationships, well, in my opinion, everything fixes itself and all the stuff, all the bad stuff that you think you have in your life goes away. Um, uh, so that's that. And then a funny story. Man, I, I, I will say you are one of the people who has taught me how to do that. Uh, yeah. I was learning it when I taught you. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. We were both learning it. Talking to people in grocery stores is fun, man. Yeah. I like, do that all the time. Yeah. It's super fun. Like, like, dude, do you see how many cheeses they have here? Yeah. Like, isn't it crazy? Have like, you tried that one? Yeah, and that's that's an that's an easy gateway. Like you, yeah. Like, have you tried this one? And they'll be like, no. At worst case, they'll say no, and then you just come back with, oh well, which ones have you tried that you think are good? And then they'll tell you, and then they'll freaking launch into some barbecue story, you know. And you end up talking to somebody at the grocery store for ten minutes. Like, just don't be in a rush, because uh, people can feel that. And if you're not rush, man, people think that you're giving you their time or that you're giving them your time. And everybody that I know of is appreciative of you giving your time to them. Yeah. So I'd, yeah, like do that thing. Yeah. Okay. The hardest question on the show. Funny story. Funny story. I mean, do you got any of that off the top of your head that you have that I have? I mean, because I can't tell sister fucker in a few minutes. Um, no, I feel like... <laughs> I got That's the, not the right one to end on. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it was hinted at enough early in the episode that we can move on. Yeah, I've got uh, the cell phone porta potty one. That's not. It's more disgusting than it is funny. Um, gosh, man, I really don't know. I can't think of anything. It can be a head. joke too. Oh, Generally, it's yeah. a funny story. I can do a joke. Uh, I was actually thinking about opening with this because I just think it's funny. Oh, yeah. I did it to a cop not too long ago. I yeah. got pulled over in the tank. I got pulled over in the tank and a cop come up. <laughs> yeah. Tech has a tank. Of it was a Ford Explorer, but now it's a tank. <laughs> uh, but uh, he comes up. <clears throat> she. It was a she. See, this she is comes a story. up. Okay. Yeah, it is a funny yeah. story. Okay. So I'm. Uh, all right. So a coworker, uh, his transmission went out and the front end of my car, uh, the suspension components were all wore out. I didn't want to drive it. Uh, I have a truck, my truck wasn't fixed and all I had left was my tank and it's a, it's a recreational vehicle I use for paintball and it's, it's a Ford Explorer and it's dressed up as a tank. Like it's got 
big old fenders and six wheels and like tank headlights and gun turrets and all kinds of funny stuff on it. Right. Anyway. So, um, uh, coworkers ride with me and this is a, a, a hard vehicle to get into. You have to climb in from the top to crawl down into the seats and there's, there's heat, but there's so many holes in this freaking vehicle cause it's gutted and it's got gun hole, gun turrets and stuff in it that it's very cold and it's February in the, you know, in Arkansas <laughs> and it's like 10 or 20 degrees outside at five o'clock in the morning. Right. And so anyway, me and him take off from my place and we're driving the 40 minutes it takes to get to Rogers, which is where I work. And we get on this highway and we don't even get out of Fayetteville and I get pulled over. And to date, I have not been pulled over in this thing, even though it looks kind of menacing, uh, until this time. Right. And, and I, I see the lights. I'm like, shoot. So I pull over, you know, whatever. And they take a minute to come up and the officer that comes up on my left on the driver's side comes up and he taps on the window with a flashlight. And I, I've already got my like license registration ready to hand to him. And he looks at me funny and he points the other direction. And I look and there's a female officer on my right now. And, and I look in the mirror right when that happened. And there's a third officer at the <laughs> rear of the tank. So there's two patrol cars already here at the back of this tank. And anyway, the, I roll down the window and the lady is just all business. Fable PD, just no, like no emotion. Like if it was a dude, like I, I could have got what I wanted out of her. But anyway, she goes, uh, license registration, please. And I go to give it to her. And as I'm giving it to her, I go, you know, if Clifford, the big red dog and blue from blues clues had a puppy, it'd be purple. She she looked at me like I was going to get arrested, like straight up. She gave me the scowl and said, wait right here. And she disappears. And right about this time, the, the, uh, guy to my left is now, I got my window down. He's talking to me about the vehicle and stuff. And the guy at the rear of the tank, I can hear him saying something into his CB on his chest. And I don't know what he's doing. And we were there like, 15 minutes just sitting there like doing nothing like this this tank is fully road legal all the things and uh one by one like every three or four minutes we see a patrol car drive by <laughs> like just drive by and like one would park on the hill like 200 feet away from us one would go down and turn around at the stoplight and go back the other direction so they were calling all their buddies, just uh, you know, just radioing like, "Hey, come look at this freaking thing!" Like we finally got it. Like, come, come, you guys don't believe us? Just come look. And uh, but yeah, that was pretty much it. They came up and told me I had some uh, my tail lights weren't working, and that's all it was. <laughs> and they had us there for you know twenty thirty minutes because my tail lights weren't working. So their friends could see. So their friends could see. Yeah, but that's uh, I mean. I've got way funnier stories than that, but that was that, that's <laughs> if, where the if joke. If you knew came what from. the tank looked like, <laughs> this would be funnier. Yeah, which maybe I can get a good photo of the tank. Oh, I've got good photos of the tank. You can. No, I need to get a good photo. Oh, okay. <laughs> if not, we'll we'll throw up a photo. We'll okay. put a photo that you have yeah. of it. 
Oh, let's see. if you knew, yeah, yeah, it would it would be funnier. Yeah, Joel was actually there the day that we gutted it, like started working. Yeah, on the it. day you put the hole in the yeah, top, the hole in the top for the turret. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I didn't know that's how you had to get into it. Uh, no, the the sunroof where the sunroof is at. Yeah, like you have to pop a hatch and like climb up on the hood, climb up on the top, and then drop down into it. So if they had been like step out of the vehicle, sir, I would have had to climb yeah. up the top. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that you even have windows that you can still roll down. Yeah, the, all of the things that are on it just pop out. Like every every single thing that's on it is removable in case I wanted to have the vehicle back. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was so you were gonna just tell the joke about Clifford. Yeah. Wow. That was it. Yeah. The story was much better. <laughs> I don't know. Without context, it's not that funny. Yeah. In my head, it was funny because I know what the tank is. Yeah. Yeah. If you drive by Tuck's home, we're not gonna say where it is. If you drive by Tuck's home, which I do pretty regularly going down that way, um, you see it and you you would not know anything other than, oh, there's a tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was. Did I tell you about the FBI raid that was down the street from us? Uh, no. So my You can have funny story number two if you want. Oh, yeah, it's not that big a deal. But like, uh, I come home one day from work. Our hippie neighbors, which they're straight up hippies, like smoke pot, and like worked at a grocery store. Uh, they were outside and they're like, man, did you hear about that FBI raid? I'm like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? They're like, well, our friends were freaking out because they said there was a tank, uh, blah, 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 blah. And there's an FBI raid and like, they thought it was next to us and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they're all saying this stuff. I'm like, and I'm confused. I have no idea what they're talking about. And it turns out there's an apartment complex, like half a mile North from where I live. And it's just a little shitty, like, motel-looking apartment complex. And the FBI seriously did do a raid on somebody that was living there. And I don't, it was like a federal drug bust of some sort. And there was a APC there, uh, like a SWAT tank, that was there administering the raid. And during that period of time, there was a uh, explosion of activity on Facebook, on a couple of groups talking about how there's an FBI raid on my tank at our apartment complex. And like, usually there's people that drive by every day. Like people drive by every day. They whip into our parking lot and they take a picture. And I mean, every day, like on average, one person every single day whips into our parking complex and takes a picture of this tank that day, like 10 to 15 people per day were whipping into that apartment complex just to take a picture of the stupid thing. This is an example of the telephone game is it? on Facebook. Oh, yes. Like, things are not usually... <laughs> things are not usually what they seem. <laughs> no, especially not in that case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Talk, it's been, a, been an honor. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. Now, now I can in the other more. seat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Maybe someday. Oh man, I'd grill you. <laughs> Be like, I'd just open it. Like, tell me about the time you almost died.
You nervous? Um, no. <laughs> Anxious? Maybe. Is your phone on silent? Nope. Now it is. It's a fucking high dollar set if you got here. Fucking shit. No, these are cheap. Are they? Yeah. It feels high dollar. Tell me about the best cheese you've had recently. <clears throat> well. Fuck. The best cheese I've had recently. I don't think I've had good cheese recently. <laughs> I think the, I think honestly the best cheese that I've had recently, can it be liquid cheese? Liquid cheese? Yeah. Does that count? Technically, probably not. <laughs> no, it's cheese. Uh, okay. Straight up cheese. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I don't know much about cheese at this point, but I feel like part of the cheese making process involves turning a liquid into a solid. Uh, yeah, but I mean, what else do you call nacho cheese? You know, it's still cheese. It's true. I mean, so I mean, it I probably went, is. I was at Apple Blossom yesterday. Sure. Tell me, tell me what. what well, it was. over at Apple Blossom, they had uh, this. I got fries and like this beer cheese that they beer cheese dip. And I guess I mean it wasn't that great, but it's the best cheese I've had recently. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's sad. Wasn't that great, but the best I've had recently. Yeah, I mean, the you know the best cheese I've had was was that batch of stuff I brought back from Wisconsin. But I haven't really had good cheese after that. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Sad day. This will probably go at the end. The bloopers. <laughs> cheese. All right. Let's try again. Can we pick a different subject other than cheese?